This is so right. Almost every conference, for sure half of them, I was crying at last year, trying to describe to parents what I'm seeing and the transformation and changes I'm seeing in their kids because they're getting what they need. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Bryant Russ and co-host... Cam Houck. We've got an episode I'm really looking forward to today. Today, our special guest is Ron Herrig. Hello. Ron. So Ron is one of the really important characters behind Holland Christian's Forest School program. Ron, let's just start out with this. If you were to explain to someone who has no background knowledge, who said, what is Forest School? I've never heard of this. Give us the kind of the three minute, what, what is Forest School? Well, Forest School has been around since the early 1900s in Europe. So we're following that model. And Forest School is child-led play. Uh, it's, it's not supposed to be adult interrupted. You're supposed to let the kids play and explore in the floor, forest. And as they find things they want to investigate and things they want to do, then uh, you help them with that. Uh, you also uh, coach and help them with how they get along. If they have conflict, you help them uh, teach them how to resolve that. But I think probably one of the most important aspects for sure is that it's child-led and that it's play. Um, the bigger blocks of time you have, the better. Um, how we've Americanized it is we have an academic component. Uh, not much, mm. but uh, we have uh, about an hour and a half, hour a day in the classroom. Um, but the rest of the day is spent outside. That's at the preschool level or kindergarten level? Kindergarten level. Kindergarten and that's level. what's unique about us. At the preschool level, um, that's what has been happening in Europe. Um, as far as I know, there's not a kindergarten model. There wasn't one. We haven't been able to find one to even follow. As far as I know, in the investigating we've done, there's not another one like it in the United States. Um, that One might have started this year. But last year when we started, uh, we believe we're the only one that tried it. We're the first ones to try it in kindergarten. Okay, so Ron, you just used some words that I just jotted down. You said explore, discover, investigate. Those are some words that I, I would identify as like, that's, that's the heart of education, right? Yeah. How do you see that play out outdoors? What does it look like in a way that it doesn't look like necessarily inside? It looks differently, I guess, in that it's totally random. It's not mm -hmm. planned. So as educators were uh, put kids in a classroom and have them focus and study on the things that we want them to focus and study on, whereas outdoors, uh, they lead that. So they find the things that they want to investigate or explore. So like a pine cone or a, or a bird's nest or a, anything they come across and then they start Or better yet, a questions. salamander or a, a salamander. bullfrog or yes. something alive they really get excited about for yes. sure. But yeah, they're always bringing anything that's bright colored or unusual to me to talk about. Do I know what they are all the time? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but uh, we explore and try to figure out what those things are and what their purpose is. So cool. Okay, so... Have you come across anyone who's who's at first skeptical of this model, saying like, "Okay, child, let like, is it is this comparable to sending my son or daughter to a traditional American education?" The, what I think of when I think of kindergarten. No, it's it's just so so unusual. I uh, we're going to be sharing this at the at the big convention we have um, soon here. Um, 
the C the CEA is that mm-hmm. uh, the, the convention we're going to Christian and Educators I, Association. Yep, and I tried to um, put it in perspective what they were going to see. See, I have pictures, I have what I can share, and I think the best way to describe it is when you go to Yellowstone for the first time. If you've not been to Yellowstone, that's a must on every vacation mm. list for sure. And you go into a canyon, and there's a a river, you know, traveling through that canyon. You're just overwhelmed. You can't. You feel like you're in the presence of God, or you feel like you're in heaven. It's so magnificent. You take a picture of it, and that picture bring back and show it to people, and they're wow. But they don't get to experience <laughs> yeah. what you're experiencing when you're there. You can't capture that. And honestly, that's what I'm experiencing in forest school. You know, in 27 years of public education, stuck in a classroom, and I was I wasn't sure about this at all when I started on it. But now that I've been out there witnessing, watching kids' lives be transformed behaviorally, um, and then to experience academic success on top of that, um, it's just it's just more than I can describe. It's uh, it's just beyond amazing. I just see God's hand in it in so many ways, and uh, I see lots of opportunities. Uh, for us, you know, to share this story and hopefully for other Christian schools to start following this model. So cool. And Ron, I think that's such a perfect analogy of being, you know, any experience you have where you take a picture and then you show it later and it's like, wait, this isn't it. Like there was so much more. I had such a cool opportunity last, oh boys, January to spend a week with Ron and the Forest School group, and it was incredible, but it was also a little frustrating because there's a lot of people who are curious about Forest School, my wife included. I'd come home and she'd be like, tell me about your day. What did you do? I'm like, ah, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, I I just, I wish I could just have taken my wife along with me and say like, Mm -hmm. you've got to see this. Um, You've got to experience this, the kinds of discoveries, the kinds of questions that students are asking. So often I'll, in a classroom, just I want so badly for my students to lead the investigation, for questions to drive what we do. Um, And I actually saw that happening with you and your students. Hmm. That was a pretty powerful experience. Very powerful, yeah. uh, I've never been to Yellowstone, which apparently I need to go. (laughs) For um, sure. I went to Yosemite with my family, Mm -hmm. which is also a beautiful place. And I was on my camera like the whole time just taking pictures, videos. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool to show everybody. I get back. I start looking through the pictures and I'm like, this this isn't what it was like. This doesn't capture the experience. Yeah, that, you know, that that for sure. I know that uh, we've had administrators out there and, and mm-hmm. one of the things that they've noticed was the joy yeah the happiness and uh, I truly believe this is for every five-year-old um, I am not I don't think it's for every parent mm-hmm. um, but I believe it's for every five-year-old this kindergarten experience mm. and uh, yeah it's it's just um, it's hard to describe it's hard to capture kind of even last year uh, we have a Google photo album. And there's 2,500 pictures hmm. on that album. That's just from what happened here at the school. There was a big adventure. There's pictures of mm-hmm. the summer play dates. There's pictures of, and I'm right now going through those pictures mm. and the memories that come back from those pictures, oh, yeah. those experiences mm-hmm. that I have with those kids. They're moving. I mean, it's almost moving me to tears just looking back at last year and the transformation of these kids when they're given the amount of time 
to play that they need to play, when they're given the amount of time that they need to interact with their uh, peers and communicate. It's just powerful what happened with them last year and the first year we did this. Do you think this model of schooling would ever be able to move beyond the kindergarten level? Well, in Europe, they do it for preschool, kindergarten, and then they move into the traditional model. Okay. And I think that um, we're following that example in that we're moving to, um, uh, you know, more of a traditional look in the first grade, um, but it's nature-based. And mm. so that's how it's, it's the transition is beautiful. What I watch happening in Mrs. Van Vliet's class uh, her and Mrs. Smith are doing some magnificent things. I'm still seeing that joy. I'm still seeing that excitement. Um, so um, they are definitely giving more playtime than a, a mm -hmm. typical first grade classroom, uh, but they're they're doing a more in depth look at nature and some hmm. spe some specific areas. Ron, in our conversations before, you told me a little bit. This is back in January about studies, uh, and this is just from memory, but involving what's happening in a child's brain when they're outdoors. All, all kinds of things are being studied today about anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And there was an overlap with studies involving outdoor play. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a little bit of I can give you tidbits. I mean, honestly, I don't have my notes in front of me, yeah. but um, I just know natural sunlight. Like right now we're sitting in this building. Mm -hmm. And when you're outside, it's 99%, 95%. It's 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 full sunlight. It's full mm -hmm. brightness. And the impact that has on us, has on our bodies and producing serotonin and yeah. other things and, and making us happy and even fresh air. I mean, a lot of, we, yeah. you know as a parent, I know as a parent, if my son or daughter didn't get enough sleep, the next day is a rough day. Yeah, amen. Well, these kids... <laughs> are going home and sleeping. I know for mm. a fact I'm 58 years old, and sometime in my 40s, early 40s, I quit sleeping through the night. I mean, to me, this is a tell what's happening with kids. Two weeks into this program last year, I started sleeping through the night every night. And mm. why, what's different? I've always worked with five-year-olds um, inside a classroom. What's different is I'm outside in that sunlight. I'm not even moving as much as they are. So I have the fresh air, I have the sunlight, and the impact it's having on me I, I just can imagine what is happening with oh, the yeah. kids. So true. So it, it does. And I also know that the synapses in the brain, um, when they do something through play, it only they only have to do it 20 times before they create a new synapsis. Whereas um, when you're talking about in an academic setting, it takes 200 times. Mm. Now my numbers are close there. I don't have my slides in front of me, yeah, but I'm sure. going from memory here on things like that. But I know there's just so much research, overwhelming research, that talks about the benefits of this model using it in preschool and kindergarten. Yeah, I can't even imagine the studies done on behavioral things and just with the social aspect of it, how kids in this sense just working together and like building community. Absolutely. Witnessing that was incredible. Seeing students join together and create teamwork and, and bonds with each other to accomplish a task, yeah. even something like building a shelter mm, or a fort. Yes. I watched kids work together in ways that I thought, man, this is how I want my kids to interact with, with either their siblings or kids their own age. And there's something about being in the outdoor setting that that, that it makes a difference in how we are with each other. I've mm -hmm. gone on, in college, I went on a month-long camping trip. And I remember coming home, it was for a class, uh, and 
coming home and people talking about what were some of the biggest takeaways from your month in, it was in the Adirondacks in, in upstate New York. And for me, it wasn't even, I, I was blown away by the experiences in nature, but the number one thing was the relationships mm-hmm. that came out of it. Mm-hmm. When you're outside with other people, something happens. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, what I'm seeing in uh, last year's class when I see that group of kids together, uh, their connectivity and uh, their relationships, how they've learned to work together. Because there was a parent that said last year their concern was about them being together because they will be together for second grade. They will be together for third grade. Mm-hmm. But I said, it's like a family. So when they stay together, they're their family. They've learned what not to do to, up somebody, to help upset somebody. They've learned how to comfort each other when they're struggling and having troubles. And it just, like I said, it, it was magical to watch. And, I, and it isn't like I haven't done this before. For you know, 14 years, I was working with five-year-olds, young fives or kids that were more challenged and whatnot. And um, I'm seeing a lot of those same kind of students coming to forest school and parents are sending them there because they know their son or daughter would have a hard time sitting in their seat. And I'm seeing their lives change because they're given that opportunity to play and move. And I don't want you to get the impression that we are just sitting there watching them play. The whole time they're playing, the teachers are working. They're pulling kids over and working with them one-on-one of the things that they're being challenged with. Hmm. And so in, in my opinion right now what we're doing, and it's, it's being shaped, it's being um, um, whittled at, if you will, but we don't need to make a lot of changes. Um, what we did worked so well the first year, we're tweaking it. I just see it as like the perfect balance for kindergarten, this five hours of play a day, and given during that time, I can work with kids one-on-one, my assistant and I, and help them with the things they're struggling with. What's been the feedback from parents of kids who've gone through this program? You've got one year under your belt. What are they saying? They're, yeah, it, it goes back to, you know, for them trying to describe their experience. They, they, they can't. It's, it's that picture of at Yellowstone you take and you bring mm-hmm. back and you're trying mm-hmm. to share it. Nobody can really totally um, know. They're, they're, they're just, they just were, as I was, we were all just overwhelmed with the student success academically, behaviorally, the connectivity, even with the parents. Um, the parents have spent more time together because uh, we start meeting in the summer for summer play dates. We have a big adventure. So there's all these opportunities for parents to get together with a class. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just as amazing and powerful for the parents mm. as it was for me. You mentioned academics. Was there ever any fear that the academic success of students in forest school would be subpar to that of a traditional school model? Absolutely. I mean, I at the beginning, I kept telling parents, I don't know if it's going to work or not. I know mm-hmm. it should work. I mean, everything we did was re- re- uh, based on research and what should work. But you really don't know until May. I mean, in kindergarten, you do everything that you're supposed to do. And you just keep doing it, and you keep doing it. And as the, uh, as the year moves on, you, you get a glimpse, and it was looking good. But it was in May when it really bloomed, and that's when you could see the, the academic success, success that uh, we had all hoped for. It was, it was more than we had hoped for. It was, it was really, yeah, just like the year, amazing. So you talk about academic success, but what exactly does that mean? Could you define academic success? Yeah, for us, our real focus was that they would leave 
reading at grade level expectations, with their reading, that their writing would be at grade level expectations, and that with their mathematics, they would be mm-hmm. at grade level expectations. And our um, our Bible studies and, and what we wanted students to walk away from those also. So the measurable reading scores were where they needed to be. Um, and the math scores, honestly, were higher than where they needed to be. Wow. And the writing scores, I, I, they just did exceptionally well in all the areas that I just mentioned, reading, writing, math, and, and what they walked away from. I think um, Mrs. Reinsberger talks about a lot, but what happens when you get to spend time in the forest and you're, uh, what do you want to say, just can, to me it's like going to the Garden of Eden and and just experiencing God out there, it's very different than inside a building. And so I I think that uh, they uh, had a, a a beautiful picture of of God in the in the summer, in the fall, in the spring, in mm. the winter that um, they would have missed inside a classroom. That's that's awesome that they're still meeting those grade level expectations in all areas, along with being able to spend that extra time outside. That's, yeah. That's wow. what's different, that, and that's what we've done. That's different than the European model. Mm-hmm. So when these kids go to first grade and Mrs. Van Vliet takes them on from there, they're not starting from the beginning. In the European model, they don't start school until first grade, mm-hmm. until they're in seven years old, six, seven years old. So with us, with our kids going to first grade, they come with a great foundation so they can um, really thrive and succeed. Yeah, so you talk about... Um, We've talked about the outside portion a lot, but for the academic piece, where does that learning occur? I, I know you said some like outside working one-on-one, but you, you also spoke on about an hour a day in the classroom. What kind yeah. of facilities do we have to work with there? The facilities are, you have to see them. Yeah, you, the you kind of just need are, to go check they it are out. Just so, um, Holland Christian has sent, set the benchmark so high when it even comes from the facility um, that they built uh, for our kids to be in, even though we're in there an hour, hour and a half a day. Um, so our day starts out um, in our classroom. Uh, we do that purposely because in the winters or cold rains, it's the worst mm-hmm. part is the first part of the morning. Yeah. And so we use that um, for our academic time. And that's when we have uh, four adults in a room. Uh, we have myself, my assistant, we have a reading assistant, and then we have a parent volunteer, and we just rotate through about every 15 minutes uh, where we're working on reading, writing, and math. Hmm. And so that takes roughly 45 minutes to an hour, and there is some whole group instruction too during that time. But uh, if there's thunderstorms, extremely cold weather, it takes a lot for us to be inside. Um, yeah. But it's 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 where we get dressed. It's where we, you know store our lunches, you know, it's just, but it's just such a beautiful space. Again, you have to see it. Every morning I, I pull into the parking lot and <laughs> true confession, I always, I always look over and be like, I just kind of drawn over in that direction. Yeah. I'd like to just kind of wander over and yeah. maybe take my first hour Envy's over a good there. word. You can use that word. Yeah, envy is a good word. Envy, yeah, yeah for sure. Just no. beautiful facilities. And just this past year they built, how, what do you describe it as an outdoor playground facility but it's but it's with natural i mean it's trees it's rocks it, what is they call it a playscape playscape um, we had the playscape last year the one we primarily used but they also really added to it um the trees that they added the kind of an amphitheater with yeah. logs oh, is really so cool. cool there's a water feature and yeah when you look at it 
I, to me, it just really just softens up and beautifies this whole campus mm-hmm. where it's located at. Totally. And when football teams, visiting teams come, they have to wonder. They have to look over there and, oh, what yeah. is that all about? Yes. Yeah. And I'm hoping at some point, you know, that sidewalk as you come in, they do yep. some kind of an archway or something that says four school. school. Oh, something awesome. so then so people will know what that is and can talk about it. I don't know that we this ever has a chance to make it into the public schools the way we do it. And that's why I think Christian schools have a real opportunity opportunity to seize this moment yeah. and to be an example and and bring these families in that maybe don't know Christ. I just think we have a rare opportunity to show them how it can succeed and then maybe someday they will, but it would be very hard to do in a public school setting mm-hmm. with all the requirements that the state has and it requires of them. I think we might need to take a little field trip over to the forest school. Yeah, we should be doing this interview over there. I was worried about wind and the mics, but man, yeah, we no. <laughs> But yeah, really to our listeners, I can't recommend strongly enough to go check it out or even drive into the parking lot and just take a peek. It is incredible. Uh, just such a, a real gift to the school system as a whole, I think. That week that I spent with students out there, it was for our winter room at the high school. I took, I think, 12 students and we spent, oh, three and a half hours with Ron and the forest school kids. Um, just... The other week, Cam and I interviewed a teacher talking about resilience. That word came to mind when I was reflecting on the week I had with my 12 high school students with your uh, preschool. Kindergarten. I'm sorry, with your kindergarten students. Because it was a nasty week. It was, what was it, you know, midway through January. We had a lot of rain and it was cold and it was just, I'm walking over there with these students and we're all bundled up thinking, this is brutal. I heard the first day and maybe a little on the second day, a little complaining from my high school crew. I can say I did not hear a peep of complaint from a single kindergarten mm-hmm. for a school kid. And that was one of our big takeaways as a class was like, wow, these kids are tough. They're, they're developing this resilience that we hope to see happen, and I hope to see in my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, we we have a little uh, thing that we say. Um, we talk about being for school tough. We kind of pat our shoulders and say for school tough or whatever. As you said, it's just amazing to watch them out there, and that's what I read about. And I really. Uh, tried to educate my parents that we set the mindset for our kids. If you if you go out to your car and it's a blizzard or really cold and windy or wet, and you talk about what a miserable day it is just before you drop them off to forest school, that's really going to impact their day. <laughs> and so we really educate parents about celebrating um, all the weather and that we just have to dress right for it. Hmm. But you're right; they are they are out there. I honestly did not hear. Um, I, I mean, less than maybe three or four times entire school year last year of kids complaining about the weather. Wow. And ah, it's just, so I'm not cool. kidding. Um, I did notice, though, with your students, so that week they came out, that first day, the second day, they dressed very differently. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a part of um, the I, whole learning process is what you're wearing um, definitely impacts how comfortable you are. I don't think they believed me when I said, we will be outside regardless <laughs> of the weather, because it started raining, and a lot of my students looked at me like, we're going inside now, right? And I said, we'll go inside when the kindergartners go inside, and they didn't go inside. <laughs> And so, yeah, I think that second day we had a little bit more gear on than, than yeah. day one. I mean, I honestly think, I don't think, I know that my life's work 
and the things that I've done with my life so prepared me for this job. I mean, I look back at it and it almost moves me to tears sometimes because the gifts that God gave me, all of them are so being used here. And this one is a little funny, but um, I don't know, 12, 13, early on I started hunting with my father. Hmm. And the way he hunts, you go out opening day, you find your spot, you sit there all day long in yeah. all weather, you don't move, you're just supposed to sit there quietly. And I'm doing that now in the forest with these kids. And it's it's like what it was like when I was hunting with mm. my father. Mm. And I've learned that I pretty much need to wear the same thing as I don't wear, you know, when you look out there, you're not going to think, oh, the kids are out there playing with a deer hunter or something. <laughs> no, but I do have, you know, um, Carhartt, extreme cold weather, um, you know, really good boots and stuff like that. So I'm really comfortable out there. But it didn't it didn't happen like the first cold day. You know, I was cold a few times until I figured out what I needed to wear. Ryan, when you look over your career as an educator, how do the years spent these past few years in forest school compare with the rest of your career? Yeah, that's that's the other part I really needed to make a point about is that you got to think about the lens that I'm looking through. Mm. Now, 10 years in first grade, five years in second grade, 14 years in young fives, which are kindergarten age kids in a classroom. And then now I'm put into this environment. And so when I tell you that there's nothing like this I've ever experienced in my life, this is so right for all kids. It's just, it's, it's hard not for me to be emotional about it. Mm. Um, almost every interview, not interview, almost every conference, for sure half of them I was crying at last year, mm. trying to describe to parents what I'm seeing and the transformation and changes I'm seeing in their kids because they're getting what they need. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to describe and uh, do it adequate, adequately, but uh, it's powerful. Hmm. Personally, what's, the, what's been the impact for you as you think about what you've learned, how you've changed? Well, guilt is some of it. I think about my own kids, and I think about why weren't they out there playing in the rain? Why weren't they out there playing in the snow? Well, I wasn't. I didn't take them out there. Um, I think about it as an educator. The funny thing is probably two or three years ago, the school system I was in, um, my boss, my uh, administrator, wanted somebody to do this experiment with this. And I thought, you know, I do so many unusual things already. I just don't want to be that odd duck out there again, the only guy that volunteers to do something really unusual. And uh, so I, I, you know, passed at that time. But, uh, you know, thank God this opportunity came around again because it's, uh, I'm just looking forward to going to work. Um, I love being here. I love being with the kids. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just simply amazing. Not that I didn't before what I was doing. I mean, that I loved what I was doing before, but um, this is just, it's just, it's, it's, it's humbling and it's uh, it's just such a gift. I, I just look at what I'm getting being given an opportunity to do, and I'm thinking, uh, it's just uh, just so humbling that it was given. This opportunity was given to me. If people have questions or want to learn more about Forest School, where would you send them? The truth is, if you Google Forest School, you know Erin Kenny Cedar Song. She started um, Forest School in the United States with the first one. Um, unfortunately, for medical reasons, this is her last year um, that she'll be doing it. And um, her book, um, and that will lead you um, to many other books. Um, there's another one called Barefoot and Balanced. Um, that's another incredible book. But there's there's just so much reading. That's what I did 
um, spring break before my interview, I was doing, luckily there was an international um, web seminar going on in that whole week, probably 10 hours a day. All I did was for school, hmm. uh, read the books, did the web seminar and walked away with this vision that we've been able to roll out here at Holland Christian. And I just followed the expert knowledge. You know, where we're different though, and I could say in one regard in a kindergarten arena is we're purists when it comes to the kids play with what God has created. When you go out behind the classroom and you look at what the kids are playing with, they're playing with the sticks, they're playing with the raw logs, they're playing with the rocks, they're playing with the pine cones, they're catching animals. There's nothing man-made out there. Even when you come in the classroom, um, they're using rocks for math. They're using um, cedar sticks or logs, if you will, to build with. And so we've been real purists in that, that really um, not having anything man-made, but only things that God has created to play with. And I think that's one of the reasons we don't have much conflict. Hmm. Do you have an email, Ron, where if people want to ask something specific that didn't come up in this interview that they could... Uh contact yeah. you it's rherrig at howlandchristian.org great we'll put a we'll try to put a link on our website okay so if people want to do that yeah um hey guys we're going to take a quick break we will be back for more conversation with ron right after this we're really excited to tell you about a new segment coming up on the podcast called hc fam the goal of HC Fam is to hear stories from people in the community who maybe have a connection to HC but aren't necessarily staff members. This could be parents, students, alumni, local professionals, pretty much anyone with a story to tell that will help cultivate community and deepen conversation in this place. So we need your help. Do you know someone who might be interesting to have on the podcast? If so, send us an email with your idea. We're hoping to talk with people from a variety of backgrounds, professions, interests, and life experiences. So don't hesitate to email bruss at hollandchristian.org. That's B-R-U-S-S at hollandchristian.org. Can't wait to hear from you. Ron, do you have any stories from day-to-day -day interactions, things you've observed, growth in students, or on that topic of resilience? Anything you can share with us? I watched um, in the very beginning uh, when we went to our local woods and there's an incredible stream there and all the students, I want to get a picture of them and ask the students to cross the stream. And there's one little girl that tiptoed. I mean, she was like afraid of the water. I mean, there was a number of students last year, especially that came that really you could tell did not have many experiences out in the forest at all. And the water is an inch deep. I mean, it should be nothing <laughs> they should be afraid of. And I have another video of that same girl, oh, in the fall, not that much longer, um, on a very rainy day, sprinting hmm. down that stream, laughing, um, just filled with joy, just totally absor uh, absorbing and, and, and loving that experience, no fear at all. Hmm. Um, I also watch kids in the beginning, we take them to a climbing tree in our favorite uh, woods, and they would go up one, two branches, you know, I'd have to stand there and hold their hands. And as the year progressed, I get nervous. Um, <laughs> our mindset is, and research says, all research says, that kids will climb only as high as what is safe for them. In our adult minds, not so much, but mm. in their minds. And in fact, research goes on to show that there are so few accidents, and we're experiencing this too, in the forest, when you let kids do these kinds of things compared to a playground. Hmm. Um, hmm. It's it's radical, not even close, a much, much safer place. 
So that was one example of what I watched happen with kids and how high they would climb, uh, their comfort level in water, you know, on what they did there. And, and then, you know, just in the beginning, maybe on a cold, rainy day or a cold, snowy day, they would all sit around and snuggle up or whatever. And very soon they learned that, boy, if we just play, our whole bodies warm up. This isn't something they talk out loud about, but naturally experience. And pretty soon they're just all, now they're all just playing out there, having a blast in all weather. So that was some of the um, changes. The other thing, too, I saw that was pretty radical. There's a few boys that couldn't focus. Um, mm-hmm. They couldn't um, concentrate. In fact, one of them I even pursued um, possibly getting some help for. But over time, and it wasn't a lot, over a couple months, I watched them change. I watched them be able to focus when we're working mm-hmm. on letter ID or letter sounds or working on reading. And so I attribute that uh, to them getting out there in that fresh air and the sunlight and the movement they were getting literally changed them. There are so many parents and families who feel like, man, yeah, focus is becoming a real challenge, mm-hmm. um, you know, potentially linked with increased screen time. Mm, yeah. And yet what you're saying, being outdoors, what it does for a brain, a body, mm-hmm. how that can impact focus. I mean, that to me is just, it's inspiring and also challenging as a parent. I yeah. want that for my daughters. Yeah. And what happens to me, the, the probably the most, one of the most powerful things is is how they learn to get along because they were able to play together for so long and what they learned from those experiences. But that, those are life skills that they'll have for the yeah. rest of their lives um, because they've given been given that practice early on about how to interact with their peers and uh, cooperate and make sacrifices. Um, you know, our mantra is always about becoming like Jesus. When Jesus was five, what did Jesus act like? Hmm. That's That's what we just keep sharing with these kids over and over again. And we have a the beginning of day, we start out, we, we say forest school, dream, show agape love, read the Bible, pray, become like Jesus. That's how we start our days out. That's our focus. And that's when I'm witnessing these children transforming into his image as, as I think he would have been as a five-year-old. Mm, so cool. You just, in the beginning, like right now, the kids are coming to me and it's conflict, conflict, conflict. But by December, January... Fewer, fewer by the end of the year, they're hardly ever coming to me because they're resolving their own conflicts and or there's not nearly as many. Uh, it's powerful, I mean, especially powerful. in this day and age. If we yeah. can teach a generation how to deal with conflict, that yeah. is powerful. <laughs> it would be awesome. Ron, how did this even start? I don't I mean, here we are. We've got, we're in year two of the four school program. Where did this come from? Who, who, who pioneered this program? Well, this, this, I know the story because I've heard it. A uh, number of times, but I, I would never forget it even after he- hearing it the first time. Mrs. Reinsberger, she had this idea, you know, about um, because the Discovery Center, um, the kids coming from there did not have a place to go. And she had this idea and she got a hold of um, Mr. Doctor, Troy Doctor, and, and shared the idea. And he was totally gung-ho about it. It's like, oh, yeah, we got to do this. We got to do this thing. And first they started looking for a room to do it at. And, oh, they weren't sure that was going to work. And then they thought, well, we could get a trailer, you know, and those portables. You know, they were going to do anything they could to get get it started. Mm. And then uh, Troy Doctor, uh, Mr. Doctor, he found and talked to some individuals that were going to support this. And uh, they put it on, you know, a, a job posting and um, I 
it was right around it was right around March, April-ish when it was posted. And in that very week, um, I decided to retire from public schools, but I was not ready to be done teaching. And I always wanted to work in Christian schools. Um, in fact, my very beginning started interviewing out in a Christian school, and unfortunately, I had a bad experience. But um, So I went right to the Christian school website. We looked for jobs, and it's the first job that I saw. And and I thought, man, this, this is a, a great fit for me. I contacted the superintendent of the schools I was at, and he's like, oh, man, what a perfect job for mm. you, Ron. And he reached out to your superintendent and uh, kind of, what do you want to say, really sold me. And uh, um, so, you know, through Mrs. Reinsberger, through uh, Mr. Doctor, through this incredible community and their willingness to give just on this idea. That's what's crazy. All these parents signed up. To be a part mm -hmm. of for, for school, there was no building, there was no curriculum, there was no teacher. There was just this idea about kids need to be out in the forest, as you said, enough screen time already. They, my, my child doesn't need to be sitting in a seat all day long. Let's put them out in the forest most of the time. And um, look what it's blossomed mm -hmm. into. You know, I think wow. God really was was uh, tugging at Miska's heart yeah, I, and interrupting whatever was happening there. I just, I just have seen God's hand in this so, so much. Um, in fact, I want to tell one short story about um, Troy Doctor, um, who is not with us anymore. He's with uh, our Heavenly Father. I was at his service, and uh, afterwards, um, we were off the rest of the day, but I had to come back, and I wanted to install these shelves. And so they're just incredible wood, um, live-ed shelves. They're huge. And so I wanted to use stumps for support. So think about it. I used a chainsaw, and I cut the first two, you know, measured and do what you're supposed to do, make them level. Cut the next two, because it's two levels, cut them, and put the first shelf on, put a level on it, perfectly level, perfectly level. I mean, I don't have that kind of talent and or ability. And then I put the next two logs on top of that shelf and put the next shelf on. Uh, honestly, 0 0.0 three, it was off, 0 0.01, whatever it was. It was so, when you look at them, they are perfectly level, and those logs were cut with a chainsaw. That's the first time I've ever done that, even with a chainsaw. And, and I got done with that. I was in tears thinking about Troy Doctor looking down from heaven, and, and it's like, did you, cut the, <laughs> did you guide this saw? I mean, I call those God winks. There's just little things like that happened um, over and over and over again in this forest school love experience. That. God winks. Ron, I know one negative impact of starting forest school is there are a lot of angry people who did not get a chance to be part of forest school. <laughs> I've heard of uh, a lot of my own students who think, oh, if only we could have gone to forest school, or parents who say, oh, I can't imagine yeah. my school experience if I had been outdoors, you know, if, if uh, especially those who are who, who like to move, who like to explore, and mm -hmm. felt as though that they didn't have that built into their educational experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, me, me included. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but when I got home from school, as many adults did that are my age and others, we had disappeared into the forest. So it was after school that we got to spend the day out there. Probably should have been doing homework. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ron, we got just a little bit of time left, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about you. Who are you? Where do you come from? Uh, some Maybe some key people who've shaped you or experiences you've had that have made you the man you are today. Well, I definitely was not uh, raised in uh, a home that uh, um, loved Jesus. 
And uh, so I, I was working uh, actually as a waiter, a place called Flapjack Shack in Traverse City. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's still there. And uh, and Big Boy, too. But um, there was a couple there was a couple ladies there. One I worked with and one was uh, a customer, and they kept coming in and talked to me about Jesus. And so in 1979, oh. on September 26th, um, I gave my life to Christ. And wow. it was the beginning of, of just uh, just the most amazing experiences. Uh, just totally, totally turned away from a lifestyle that definitely was not Christian and uh, started down this path. Didn't always stay on it. Um, came back at some point. But probably the most important person in, as far as an educational sense was Alan Holbrook. Um, I was pursuing the ministry through Agape Force Ministries out of uh, Allendale, Texas. And at the end, you had to pray about what God wanted to do with your life. And so I prayed and fasted. Um, that's what they wanted you to do for three days. And we, uh, um, I was torn between uh, being a, a nurse and or a teacher. And um, I called up my dad, who was kind of old school. I said, Dad, what, you know, what should I be, a nurse or and or a teacher? And he says, well, a teacher? You don't want to be a nurse. Now, this was some time ago. <laughs> and uh, later in life, he wished I was a nurse for sure. <laughs> but uh ended up being a teacher. And so the... The reason the story is so fascinating or interesting is because I was dyslexic. Um, I couldn't read very well. I couldn't write very well. I definitely couldn't spell. I didn't even know my multiplication tables. And I went to uh, I went to a man, Alan Holbrook, at the Church of the Living God in Traverse City. And uh, they had a private Christian school there. In fact, some uh, students that have come here to Holland Christian um, got their start there. And uh, I said to him, hey, this is what God wants me to do. Could I volunteer in your classroom? It was a second grade teacher. And I thought, man, if I teach phonics, if I teach reading, all those kinds of things. So I lived with Alan and Marie. And in the evenings, he would teach me how to read. He uh, taught my, uh, I mean, how to do my multiplication tables. He taught me how to write using the Bible. And I lived with really? him for yep, here. a number of years. He had 10 children of his own that he homeschooled him and his wife. So I lived wow. with him, volunteered for him at the uh, Church of Living God in second grade. And then even when I started college, um, I stayed with him, and he would uh, read my papers over that needed correcting. And uh, um, he did all this at, at no cost. I didn't have to pay him anything, and uh, I lived with him. So I really, um, I really have to give him um, that beginning. But all those struggles I had as a student are where my, pa- my passion comes from. Um, um, because I know what it's like when you are, you know, going into third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and you don't know your multiplication tables or you can't read or write. And, uh, so he was uh, for sure the most influential wow. person or man. And, uh, that was the beginning of, you know, my, uh, um, my beginning of my turning things around both academically and spiritually mm-hmm. in my life. So wow. cool. Yeah. Where did you end up going to college? Well, I started at Northwestern in Traverse City because that's where Alan and Marie lived in Traverse City, mm-hmm. and so uh, I did. I well, I couldn't get into college. My, you know, when I took the test, you had to take. It was like, oh, you have to go to community college because your scores are so low. I mean, my GPA was like a one point seven, one point eight, or something when I got out of high school. Mm-hmm. Just struggled, and uh, so I started out there, and uh, and then ended up uh, transferring to Grand Rapids Community College. And then after that, I went to Grand Valley and, um, you know, only because of hard work and because just God giving me this, this, uh, we want to say 
um, just drive or passion to do well and succeed. So I could be a teacher. I ended up graduating with a three three nine eight from college. Wow. So you know, not only did uh, not only did he transform my life and uh, and uh, a behavioral sense, he also really paved the way for me um, to become a teacher and and know what it takes to turn things around. Mm. Hmm. That's awesome. Firsthand. So cool. Yeah. While uh, while I was editing and working on a video with Mr. Skemper that I spoke on earlier, there was a clip of you sitting playing the guitar with all the kids singing a song, clapping and stuff. Is music a big part of your life, or? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, when I was uh, living in Traverse City and coming home from school and going out in the forest, I was singing all the time, making up songs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So jump forward to Agape Force Ministries uh, when I was there. And it, yeah, at some point, you they really wanted to challenge you. And they said, uh, hey, I was in Florida, and they wanted me to get to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And they said, uh, but you know, God's going to provide. you got to figure out how you're going to get there. And I was broke. I had no money. I gave them all my money to start the school. And I said, oh, no problem. I'll hitchhike which they weren't thrilled with that idea, but they didn't stop me. What year is this? Me. This is, the this is uh, probably early 80s. Okay, yeah. early 80s. And so I uh, got on, this is 1,200 miles, if you know wow. um, math or geography. <laughs> and so I got on the road, and no, no kidding, um, the first guy that picked me up um, was going within 100 miles of where I was going. Wow. I mean, talk about God having you on the adventure. And the other part that happened as we're traveling, you're in the car for a thousand miles, you got a lot to talk about. He, I found he had a guitar in his trunk and I wanted it. I said, you know, I'm interested in learning how to play the guitar and music. And he's like, well, I'll sell it to you for 75 bucks. And I said, well, I don't have any money. And so <laughs> he, gave, he gave it to me. <laughs> really? And then I sent him the money down the road. Oh. And so after I got there, that's when I started writing my own music. I never had any background in music, so I just huh. started plunking away. And so over the course of my teaching career, like 27 years in public school, my first year I started writing, turning children's books into songs. Oh. And so oh, this we, is awesome. So we, um, so now we have this at the end of Forest Kindergarten, we have something called a Mother's Day Spectacular. And there's about six songs that we're using, um, two of which are my two favorites now, um, because when I got here, um, in fact, it was the first play date when we really it was the beginning of forest school. I said to the kids, "Hey, we're going to write a song. You know, what kind of things do you like out in the forest and whatnot?" And so we wrote um, the first uh, first song, um, "Praise God in the Forest." And then uh, we wrote a second song the school year called Thank You, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And both of them, um, the students helped me uh, with the words uh, for those two songs. So in this Mother's Day Spectacular, we have um, four songs um, that are originals that, um, that are just fun and exciting and tell mm -hmm. life stories. And then we also have two praise songs. So again, I just... Even that, you know, I, I think about the gifts and the tools and the talents that God has given me. And it's honestly, there couldn't be a more perfect marriage than what's happening with Forest School. You know, people wow. like what's happening, you know, praise God, because it's it's his talents mm -hmm. and gifts. Um, and it's just, like I said, it's just humbling to serve here um, to be able to use them and, and see the success that these kids are having. So anyways... Ryan, we're almost out of time. Maybe one last question. If you had a crystal ball and you could look 10, maybe 20 years into the future, what do you what do you imagine Forest School to be? I imagine Forest School to start 
in three and four-year-old preschool. That four school would be modeling the European model, and that's where they start. You know, when you see pictures, you have these little kids all snuggled together, sleeping in the snow, taking naps outside, doing the kinds of things, and where they're just allowed to play out there in minimal academics. And so that's how it starts. And they and then they come to kindergarten um, in knowing their letters and letter sounds and and uh, being able to segment to tell me the sounds at the hearing words and then taking them from there. Um, I would love, and it's already happening, that each grade level has a specific area um, that they're going to study and become experts at. Mm. And maybe, you know, after third grade or fourth grade or fifth grade where where they, um, you know, are going more in depth into those areas that they've already explored. Um, but uh, that someday, I, I go beyond it 40 years from now, that my students um, that I had this year and last year are going to become four school teachers hmm. and that they will become a voice for this United States so more and more kindergartners can experience what uh, we are experiencing right now in Holland Christian. That's, like I said, just crazy special. Hmm. Ron, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. You've got me all excited about my <laughs> own kids and really hoping that they get to experience what I've seen and you've talked about yeah, with even, the four school. Even, even for the parents, because it really is a parent choice. Parents are going to let their kids pick. Although I know last year, um, one student was given the choice. Do you want to go to four school or traditional school? And it was a no-brainer for that child. <laughs> But for the parents that don't choose to do forest school, at least take away the screen time. At least get outside with them and play in the rain and play in the snow. Just do more outside. The kids crave it. Um, what I experienced this summer, we did a, a camp for preschool. It was three-year-old and four-year-old preschool. And then in the afternoon, it was uh, um, the kindergarten and first grade. And a lot of these kids, I could tell, hard, hardly have ever been outside mm -hmm. at all. And they all thrived. By the end of the week, it was even, even in that one week, the transformation I witnessed, the transformation was just phenomenal. So, yeah, get outside and play with your kids and mm -hmm. put the screens away. Cam, go Maroons. Hey, go Maroons. Go Maroons. <laughs> yeah.